Hello friends, it's January 16th, and welcome to today's installment of the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. Each day we read from the One Year Bible Reading Plan, making our way through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. We follow the consecutive readings from the Old and New Testaments, and the Bible's Song and Prayer Book, the Book of Psalms, and the Book of Proverbs, providing us with general guidance that orients us to reality and helps us to make good decisions in our words, attitudes, and behaviors. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and the producing director of New Life Fine Arts Ministries. You can learn more about New Life at our website, newlife.org, and newlifefinearts.org. We will pick up our reading in the book of Genesis in chapter 32, beginning with verse 13. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milking camels and their calves, forty cows and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on ahead of me, and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, To whom do you belong, where are you going, and whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, Moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip 
on the sinew of the thigh. Chapter 33 And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and four hundred men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants, and he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times, until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And last Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. Thus he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. If they are driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly, at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me, and at the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord in Seir. So Esau said, Let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth, and built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Therefore the name of the place is called Succoth. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padan Aram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. There he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Chapter 34 Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it, and the men were indignant and very angry, because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter. 
for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us, give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us, and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it, and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully, because he had defiled their sister Dinah. They said to them, We cannot do this thing, to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree with you, that you will become as we are, by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing, because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of the city, and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us to become one people, when every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. On the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon, and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure, and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword, and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city, because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones, and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? What a sad episode in the life of Jacob and his sons. Going back to the beginning of the passage, we can reflect on what a wonderful God we have. He's willing to get right down into the nitty-gritty, rough-and-tumble of our crazy lives. He meets us in a personal way, comforts us, challenges us, resists us, encourages us, and deals us loving blows of correction that will humble us where and when we need it. He's willing to wrestle with us when we are wrestling with our personal problems, our fears, doubts, and insecurities. We see this in Jacob's wrestling match with the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32. 
In Genesis 32, Jacob's cleverness is at work again as he intends to soften the anticipated anger of his brother Esau. He seeks to appease him with a parade of peace offerings, his possessions, and if necessary, his people. Jacob's self-defense mechanisms are working overtime. He puts what he considers his more dispensable possessions and family members up front to offer them as gifts to Esau. He keeps his beloved Rachel and Joseph close at hand. He wants to be able to escape with his life and his nearest and his dearest in case Esau decides to seek revenge and attack. God has given the promise that Esau would serve Jacob, the elder would serve the younger. But rather than letting God fulfill his promise his way and in his time, Jacob's story has been one of him attempting to fulfill God's promise on his own. Jacob has had prior experiences of God's favor. God displayed his greatness and glory with angels ascending and descending on a staircase to heaven. The Lord spoke to him from the top. He assured Jacob that he would accompany him, bless him, and bring him safely into his inheritance. This was the promise given to Abraham of land, a nation of descendants, and the promised seed, the Messiah, in whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 17. After making a treaty with his father-in-law, angels of God met Jacob at Mahanaim to assure him of God's accompanying presence. But this was not enough. These magnificent encounters have yet to have any transforming effect on his behavior. On the night before Jacob is to meet his brother and rival Esau, he sends his family across the ford of the river Jabbok, a river east of the Jordan. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Jacob was left alone, but he was not alone. Very interesting. A man wrestles with him until daybreak. This was no simple arm-wrestling match with a stranger. When it is over and done, Jacob knows that he was left alone with God. God was dealing with Jacob. God was there in this man to bless him. But Jacob was fighting off the blesser with his own efforts to be blessed. What we learn here is that God wants to bless us, but he has to deal with us and at times resist us when we are relying on our own strength. So the angel of the Lord has to deal with Jacob. Jacob's thigh bone was dislocated during the wrestling match. You would think that this blow to Jacob's strength would have caused Jacob to call it quits. But Jacob finally articulates what he is after. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Does Jacob know to whom he is speaking? He's speaking to the blessed God, who has been the source of all of Jacob's blessings up until now. He is the one who blessed his grandfather Abraham, his father Isaac, and blessed him, Jacob, with his presence and prosperity. Jacob is predisposed to bow down before his fears. He will bow seven times before Esau the next day, in Genesis chapter 33, verse 3. But he will not yet bow before the Lord. Instead of reprimanding Jacob, the angel of the Lord presses him with a question. What is your name? the angel asks. Cheater, for this is what the name Jacob means, and it certainly fits the man who bore it. Heel-catcher, supplanter, deceiver, all of this is implied in the name Jacob. All his life, Jacob the younger had been fighting for the blessing of his elder brother. He grabbed the elder brother's heel at birth. 
He cheated the elder brother out of his birthright. He deceived his father to give him the blessing of the firstborn. But it was the will of God to bless Jacob before Jacob had even been born. The Lord said to Rebekah while she was carrying the twins, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And Genesis 25:23. And all this time he had been fighting for this blessing with his own efforts, a blessing that God had foreordained. How often we resist God's grace through our unbelief. Instead of resting in what God has promised, we strive in our own efforts. Like Jacob, as we cheat, we find ourselves cheated. As we deceive, we find ourselves deceived. As we fight for a blessing, we find ourselves resisting the one who has wanted to bless us from the start. The Lord has a way of bringing us to the place of conviction and confession, repentance and faith. After Jacob's admittance of his name, the angel of the Lord blesses him with a new name. Your name shall no longer be Jacob, meaning cheater, but Israel, which means ruled of God. For you have striven with God, and with men you have prevailed. In Genesis 32, verse 28. What grace! A new name! Israel is a compound of two words. Isra means ruled instead of ruler, and El is the name of God. So the name means ruled by God. Up until this point, Jacob had contended with men and prevailed. This has been through the efforts of his flesh, his own natural cleverness and strength. He even tried bargaining with God this way. But the only way to really prevail with God is to receive His grace. Let Him name you. This really is a picture of God's gracious dealing with us in conversion. We strive to save ourselves before we submit to the Savior. We strive to get a blessing before submitting to the blesser. G. Campbell Morgan writes, quote, Jacob had contended with men and had prevailed. That had been his story all through, and the effect of his successes upon his character had been that of making him more self-reliant, and in that measure forgetful that these very successes had resulted from the fact that all his life was arranged and ruled by God. That was the lesson he had to learn in order that he might be delivered from a self-sufficiency which must inevitably have ruined him. That explains all the story of that night. God crippled him to crown him, revealed his weakness to teach him the secret of strength, defeated him that he might find victory. End quote. Don't think that you need to compel a reluctant God to bless you. Remember who he is. He is the initiator of the blessing. We love because He first loved us. In 1 John 4.19, He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. This is the third name change we have come across in the book of Genesis. Each name change is a revelation of God's grace. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. God's promises are coming to pass, not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. So at the end of the day, we see lives transformed through the promised seed, Christ Jesus, to the praise of the glory 
of His grace. We have a God of all grace. Israel walks away from this experience with a limp, a permanent reminder that God's grace has dealt with him in order that he might rely upon him more. Like Jacob, we are all to bear the mark of being crucified with Christ. We are weak in him that he might be our strength. Concerning Jesus, Paul wrote, For indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, we read, Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, verses 7 through 30. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! But if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, 
and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's take a moment to reflect upon what we have just read. When the promised seed, Jesus Christ, does arrive on the scene, John the Baptist, the forerunner, prepares the way. Who is this mystery man, the last of the prophets? Jesus tells us the truth about John the Baptist. He is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus was coming to inaugurate the new covenant. John would be the last of the old covenant prophets. He would point people to Jesus as the one who fulfills the law and the prophets as God's promised Messiah. What does verse 12 mean? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. John the Baptist was a man of conviction and courage. You have to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might if you are going to withstand the violent opposition that is set against the kingdom of God. Warren Wearsby writes, John's ministry was to prepare the nation for Jesus and present Jesus to the nation. In Luke chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, and in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. Had the people received John's witness and accepted their Messiah, John would have fulfilled the prophecies literally. Instead, they were fulfilled in a spiritual sense in the lives of those who trusted Christ. Jesus made this clear in Matthew 17, verses 10 to 13. And the disciples asked him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah already came, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they wished. So also the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. Many Bible students believe that Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 will be fulfilled literally when Elijah comes as one of the two witnesses spoken of in Revelation chapter 11. It is clear from Jesus' remarks that the people of the Galilean cities were not responding to either the message of John or of Jesus. They were an unresponsive audience in Matthew 11 verses 16 to 19. Yet Jesus trusted that God who had sent both John the Baptist and himself, knew what he was doing. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. In Matthew 11, 19. Jesus denounces the Galilean cities in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 27. They had heard the words of John the Baptist and seen the works of the Messiah, but they had not turned from their sins and turned to God. Concerning Capernaum, we hear him say, And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Five of the ten miracles that occurred in Matthew chapters 8-9 through nine after the Sermon on the Mount took place in Capernaum. 
we get the clear picture that miracles do not necessarily result in revival. Unless there is a response to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, true contrition, and a turning from sin to God, we await certain judgment. In chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus concludes with a wonderful promise to those who will repent and believe. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And now we're reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Psalm 14 describes the state of the man or woman who either suppresses the knowledge of God's existence, in the case of the atheist, or God's self-revelation, in the case of an agnostic, or God's right to rule, in the case of those who submit to the concept of their own autonomy, saying, Quote, there is no God for me, end quote, in Psalm 14, 1. Verses 2 to 3 confirm the doctrine of human depravity. Paul quotes this in Romans 3, verses 10 to 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Some Greek translations of the Old Testament book of Psalms translate worthless as corrupt and useless. This is the effect of the fall of mankind. In Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The effect of leaving God out of your thought life is found in verses 4 to 5. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. Redemption is in view in verse 7. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. And now for the final reading today, the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. So when we contemplate the wisdom and beauty of his creation, we can trust the wisdom of his word. He is God. He is good. He is our creator. He has redeemed us, and we can trust him. 
Heavenly Father, there are so many examples of your amazing grace to be found in your word. Forgive us for striving to do for you what you have already done and are doing for us. Teach us to rest in the full assurance that you are faithful to perform all that you have promised. May our times of prayer be times where we strive according to your will and your power instead of striving against it. We put our trust in your perfect provision for our salvation, Jesus Christ. As we take his yoke upon us, we learn the benefits of being bound up in a faith union with you. We thank you that he loved us enough to take our place in death and that he loves us enough to take our place in life. As we take his yoke upon us, we learn that only he can live the Christian life. So we transfer the ownership of our lives and yield ourselves to Him the way He yielded Himself to you, Father. We take His yoke upon us that we might learn what we have in Him. There and there alone, in identification with Christ, in our faith union with Him, do our souls find rest and satisfaction. For this we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. It was a blessing to be reading the Word of God together, and God willing, we'll be back tomorrow as we press on with the one-year Bible tour. I always like to remind you that we provide a free service, sending out a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion with color maps, charts, and illustrations that folks find helpful. You can subscribe to this free service by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. We're happy to field your questions, receive feedback, uh, prayer requests, and learn more how we can be of encouragement to you. You can also help us in our mission to spread the Word of God through this podcast by indicating that it's a blessing to you, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, leaving a review, or giving us a like. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Peace be with you.